Um, all right, so we're talking about strong families. What does it mean to have a strong family? How do you have a strong family? And we're in a series, Home Improvement, Building Strong, Healthy good families. And, and we know this. We know this because like you're in a family, I'm in a family. There is no perfect family. It doesn't exist. But there are healthier families. There are stronger families. So how do you build a healthy or strong family? Now, I want to start by asking you a question, and I don't want you to answer it right away. Just think about it, you know, kind of internally. You know, maybe don't tell anyone next to you quite yet. But if, if I could do this, if I could guarantee one of two things, I could guarantee that your family, that you would have either obedience or peace in your home, which would you choose? Don't say both, you cheaters. You, it's not, you're not allowed to say, I want it all. That's not how this works. We're gonna look at this this morning. But if you, if you could decide, if whether, whatever your family looks like, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, grandkids, maybe you're married, single, whatever family looks like, immediate family, extended family. All right, here's what I, here's what I want. I really just want, I want you to just do what I say. Please, please, for once, just do what I say. Is that the preference? Or... Or I could guarantee obedience. I could guarantee obedience in your house if I could, assuming I, I can't. But, or I could guarantee peace and not peace that, that, that is the absence of war or conflict. Not, not that kind of peace. Not peace where we say like, hey, just stop fighting. Okay, just go to your rooms. There, done, peace. No, I'm talking about like biblical peace, the shalom kind of peace. The, what the Bible talks about is harmony in your home. That you could have real genuine peace and harmony and goodness in your home. Now, you hear that and you say, oh, I think I'll take that. You could guarantee that in my home? Listen, when we talk about families and, and like what we really want, what we really want, more than rules, more than f- even friendship of like, I want you know, my kids to be friends with me. Like, yeah, sure, of course, yeah. But more, more, than, um, more than providing for their needs, what we really want is peace. Now, I'm gonna make a proposition. I'm gonna propose something here and I'm gonna spend the rest of the morning uh, proving that I am right. Are you ready? The single greatest force for peace in your family, ready? Is forgiveness. That's what I propose as, uh, as a, a truth claim this morning. Now, let's look at this. Let's talk about this. Why, why is that the case? And how do we get that? How do we, how do we see that come to be? The single greatest force for peace in your family is forgiveness. More than anything else, the thing that really changes the atmosphere in a home is grace. What does grace look like? whatever your family situation is. We're going to look at perhaps one of the, one of the more famous families in the Bible. And, and they're actually not famous for being a family. They're just a family that is well-known. And what's really crazy is that they're not even real. This is a make-believe family that you all know. You all know about. Whether you go to church or not, you know at least some details about this particular family. I'm going to guess, though, you don't know all of it. We often call this story 
that Jesus tells, the story of the prodigal son. You know this story? Of course you do. Yeah, it's famous, right? It's about a family. They're not famous for being a family, but they are a famous family. And it's not even really about the a prodigal son. The name of this is actually like, it's really unfortunate because this isn't, this story isn't about a son who goes away and then comes back and the father's excited. It's not, this is a story about two sons. In fact, Jesus gives this parable in a list of parables and talks about lost things. And, and he talks about, not, it's not just the prodigal son, it's two lost sons. We're gonna look at this morning, both of these sons and, and what Jesus has to say about them and, and why he includes two sons, not just one. And, and, and what does that have to do with our family? So here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna start with the younger son. Jesus talks about this younger son, the famous son, the one that we all know about, the one we call the prodigal son. And here's what we're gonna see. The younger son, he wanted, here's what he wanted. Above all else, here's what he wants. Ready? I wanna have a good time. That's it. This younger son just wants to have a good time. We could say this. He's probably, he's probably every high schooler who just wants to have a good time and enjoy life and do what he wants, right? And maybe even college students. I just want to, listen, I just want to find myself and I want to enjoy my life. So let's look at this story. This, this, this incredible story that illustrates this family that Jesus gives so specifically, and he's talking to two different groups. It's very, very clear what Jesus is talking about. Here's what he says. Jesus continued because he's in the middle of just kind of parable after parable. He says this, there was a man who had two sons. There it is. See, I told you I was right. There's a man who had two sons. This isn't the story of the prodigal son. This is a, a father with two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, here's how it worked in culture, in their culture specifically. The older son of every family would receive what was called a double portion of the inheritance of the father. So however many sons that, that, that the father had, they'd, he'd split up the property, the inheritance equally, but then the, the, the oldest son would have double what the others got. And the reason is because it was expected that the older son would kind of take care of the family, take over the business, keep the estate going. So, hey, listen, you're gonna need, you're gonna need some extra seed money to keep this thing. So a father with two sons means the older son would get two thirds and the younger son one third, right? And you would only get this inheritance, ready, here's the kicker, when the father passes away. Well, well dad's alive, this is, still my, this is still my property, my money, this is still my family, whatever the kind of the, the business is, like this is my responsibility. When I die, then all of it gets split up between you. But this, this son, this younger son, who just, again, wants to have a good time, he says, hey, I want my share of the estate. Here's what he's saying, Ready? I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. This would have been so offensive for, for, Jesus, for the listeners of Jesus when they hear this to say, wait, 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 while the dad's still alive, he's asking for his money? Hey, dad, I'm ready for my one third. I don't wanna be a part of this family anymore. I wish, I wish, I can't wait for you to die, so I want it now. And the crazier thing is the dad says, okay, 
He says he divided up his, the money and he divided the property between them. He said, all right, here you go. Now, I, I don't know um, your parenting style. Uh, if, if a son of yours came and said, hey, it's been great, dad. I kind of wish you were dead. I want, my, I want my part of the will now. I don't know how you respond. Pro- it's probably not like this. You know what? You make a fair point. I agree, here you go. But that's what this father does. He divides it up and gives it to him. So the story continues. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, everything, all of the, all of the, the estate, a third of the estate, all the property, all of the, the animals, whatever, he, here you go. The younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Here it is. He wanted to have a good time. And he did. He did. He had a great time. Wonderful time. And then it says this. After he had spent everything, and we don't know the time distance, right? We don't know in Jesus' mind how long this was. Could be months, could be years to spend all this money. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. Now, listen, in Jewish culture, pigs are the lowest of the low. They were unclean. So, so to take a job to feed pigs is the lowest of the low. It is the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. It was that, it would be that bad and then it says this he longed man this son he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the that the pigs were eating but no one would give him anything i wish i could just eat what they're eating i mean this is the lowest of the low that he could ever get to he did what most people probably maybe younger uh, kind of high school maybe maybe even college what they want they want to experience life and they want to just go enjoy themselves and sometimes sometimes people like adults will even give them advice hey you're young you're just go have fun go do what i never got to do and he says all right and he does and he spends and he uses and he wastes all this wealth on wild living and then there's a shortage he falls on hard times and soon he has nothing and he realizes i have messed up here's what it says when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants who are i'm a hired servant how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here i am starving to death listen i i I don't even care about being a son. Listen, just his workers are so much better off than me. So he puts together this plan. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He decides it's time to go back home and he says, I don't even need to be in the family anymore. I don't need the last name. Just make me a worker. I just want to be a worker for my dad because 
man, his, he treats them so well and they're so much better off than even I am right now. I'll go work for my dad. That's my plan. So he prepares this speech, essentially an apology, right? And then it says this. Now it turns. So far, you're following and you're saying, all right, you're listening to Jesus tell the story. You're probably getting maybe frustrated with this, with this son. Like, how could he do this? And then, and then Jesus, he switches all of it. But while he, the younger son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, it's important to know a few things. First, in this culture, men did not run. It was undignified. They wore robes. It didn't look good. It was, a, you, you don't run. I, personally, I love this culture. <laughs> I've tried running, I, and then I remember I'm not a runner. I just, I'm gonna keep trying and keep reminding myself. And, and for them, you don't run. So when they hear Jesus say, this father ran, what? This was, a, this was a noble guy. This is a business. He had, he had an estate. He had people that worked for him. He had livestock. Like, what's he doing running? You don't do this. Not for this son. He runs. And, and we'll also see that, that because this father saw him from a far, a far off distance, here's what this means, ready? He's probably waiting for him. He's probably watching each day maybe today he comes home honey I'm just going to stay out here I'm just going to keep my eye just you know he might be coming there's no they don't text back then I don't know if you know that <laughs> it could be months it could be years and he's just watching just waiting always remembering my son he might come and in a far distance on that day he sees him and he doesn't wait for him to come he takes off for him. He runs. And I imagine this younger son probably seeing dad running and thinking, I'm in big trouble, right? Like, is there a knife in his hand? What is gonna happen? But he doesn't do that. Here's what the father does. He threw his arms around him and kissed him, proving you're never too old for a, a kiss from your dad. <laughs> Instantly, he accepts him. And the son had been practicing this speech. He has this speech prepared. Hey, I'm, I, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired hand. I've sinned against you and against heaven. And he's been probably rehearsing this the whole way home. And, and he finally gets to the point where, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now he's not done. He still has more in the speech and the dad doesn't let him finish. It's almost like his dad isn't even listening to him. It's almost like he doesn't even care what he has to say. Look at his response. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Get him dressed, get him looking nice. Bring the fattened calf. It's time to kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. 
Now, this is, this is, this is fascinating because this, the father, before he even says anything or tries to defend himself, the younger son, or justify what he did, the father says, bring all the best stuff. Bring the robe. Get him dressed again. Put the ring on his finger. Get, he doesn't have shoes on. My, no son of mine's going to go barefoot. Get the shoes and get the best, get the fattened calf, the one that we've been waiting, that we've been like getting real good. Like that one that's going to taste delicious. It's time. Get that one and let's feast because he's home. Ooh. Now, I don't know as a father how you respond to the son that wished you dead and took your money and spent it all and then comes home and, and says, I, I, I've sinned against you. And like, if it, it's me in this moment, I'm like, continue. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you have anything else to say for yourself? This father was just so happy his son was home. And then he says these famous lines, the son of mine was dead and is alive again. And we have a hymn that he was lost and is found. Ooh. This prodigal son returns home. Now, I don't, I don't know if, um, I'm gonna guess in this room that we probably have people who who have children that you would say, yeah, I'm, I have a kid that's gone their own way. And you read this, and this isn't a hypothetical parable of a story of a, of a what could be. You read this and you say, man, this, this is personal. Like I, have, I have family that have done this and I have a kid that went their own way. Ooh. You probably have if that's you, you, you've probably had sleepless nights thinking, praying, hoping, wanting them to come, to come back, waiting. And maybe it's been a long time. You relate with this father so closely. This younger son we see, he just wanted to have a good time. Just wanted to have a good time. And there are people in your family who just want to have a good time doing their own thing. But if you remember, this is a story about two sons. Jesus isn't finished. And, and, and this story could have been done right here. Jesus could have said, and they lived happily ever after. He didn't say that. There's a second part. The older son. Now, maybe you can relate with the younger son. Maybe you can relate with the father. I'm gonna guess many of us can relate with the, the older son. Here we go. You ready? I hope you're sitting down. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. You know what he was doing? His job. He's a good kid. This, this is what all my son would be doing. Working in my field, mowing my lawn. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. What? What is going on? My, my dad doesn't dance. <laughs> so he called one of the servants and asked him, hey, what's going on? What is happening that there's music and I see people dancing? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. This is terrible news. If you're the older brother, I can't believe what I just heard. What do you mean he's back? And what do you mean? 
My dad killed the fattened calf for him. This guy was doing what he's supposed to do. And then he sees, my brother's back, what? What is going on? The older brother became angry and refused to go in, rightly so, good job. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. There it is, ready? This was the good kid. He did everything right. He never disobeyed his dad. Good job, son. Good job. Yet you never gave me, let alone the fatted calf, not even, I don't even worry about, just a young goat. You never even gave me as much as a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. I've never gotten this kind of treatment. But when is this, look at this, when, not my brother, when this other son of yours, this other son that you have that, Remember the one who ran away, who squandered your property? And then he gives details. How does, how does he know this? With prostitutes, comes home? You kill the fattened calf for him? You can hear the frustration, the bitterness, the disdain in his voice. How could you, Dad? I've done everything right. He does everything wrong. He comes back and he gets the party. Now, I don't know where you are in like family stuff or you know, if you have family issues and struggles and relationships. Just, just on its face value, you, you hear this story and you're going, and I feel for that guy. The older brother, like, yeah, this feels like an injustice. And you know why it feels like that? Because it is an injustice. This isn't right, but it's what's happening. And he feels it. The younger son wanted to just have a good time. The older son, he just wanted to hold a grudge. It wasn't about doing what's right. It was about this issue that he has with this son of yours. The good son was the good son. He obeyed the rules, but this is important. Here's what we see in the story. He doesn't obey the rules because he loves his dad or has a relationship with his dad. He obeys the rules to get something in return. I want the blessing and I want your property and I want your stuff. And, and, we, and we, we, we know this, we get the hint of this because he says like, I've never gotten anything. I've been doing so good just to get any kind of stuff and you won't give me any of it. This son was trying to earn his father's approval. Sounds familiar for a lot of us, I think, right? Especially for the guys, I'm sure you can relate, of wanting to earn your father's approval. And if you have kids, especially sons, your sons want to earn your approval. There's something in us that just, we want to hear our dad say, hey, I'm proud of you. You've done a great job. Some of us live our entire life waiting, hoping for that moment. This father, this son wants to do the same thing. I'm just, I'm doing all the right stuff. I was just trying to earn your approval. And then the, the, the father says this, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. 
but we had to celebrate and be glad. And then he changes it. This is important. Notice this. He doesn't say the son of mine because it's a son of mine, but listen, because this brother of yours, it's my son, but listen, this is your brother. Don't you forget that. This is your brother. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father reminded of his son what's important. It's not about possessions and obedience. It's about people and relationships. As much as we all would say, like, I want obedience in my home. Absolutely, sure, I want my kids to obey. But not to, listen, not to the point where it costs us the relationship. If I could pick peace and harmony in my home, and maybe they mess up and aren't obedient every second of the day, I want peace and harmony. I'll pursue that more than anything. The younger son wanted to have a good time. The older son wanted to hold a grudge. And you know what they both needed? What, these, what both of these sons needed was grace. The good son and the bad son. The one who ran away and the one who did everything he was asked of. They both need grace. Neither option leads to peace. Living for greed won't bring you peace. Living with a grudge won't bring you peace. The single greatest force for peace in your family is forgiveness. About 20 years ago, it's probably maybe 18, 18, 19 years ago, uh, my parents had just recently been divorced and uh, I'm in college. Uh, it's my uh, first year, freshman in college at Biola University and uh, just, you know, enjoying life. It's coming up to the first summer and, and my brother who's uh, about a year and a half younger than me, uh, he graduates high school. And uh, he's still living with my, uh, with my mom. Uh, my parents are split up at this point. She has an apartment. And um, she, uh, they live in uh, the beautiful city, uh, Fresno, California. You guys ever been there? You ever driven through it? Just keep driving. That's, that's the right choice. Just keep going. So um, one of my brother's friends comes on a, on a random day and uh, they picks up my brother and they're uh, going to a concert and they're going to drive into LA. My mom wishes them well. It's great. And, uh, you know, from there, it's about a three and a half hour-ish drive. And uh, so they take off and long before they should have been back, my brother's friend comes back just by himself. And my mom, of course, confused. Where's Brian? That Brian's my brother, younger brother. Where's he at? What happened? Everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine, but I need to talk to you. Okay. So he comes in. And he says, we didn't go to concert. Brian asked me to take him to the airport, to LAX. And he got on a plane to Germany. And he wanted me to give you this note. And this note says, I've decided to go to Germany for a year. And I've turned my cell phone off. You have no way of contacting me. I'll reach out to you in random emails that I make up. I have to find myself and this is how I'm going to do it. And in this note was a, a scavenger hunt of sorts of here's my cell phone bill hidden in this pocket of the home. Pay this. Here's some money for this. Pay this. Here's all the things I'm responsible for. Just go pay this all off. I'm going to, I'll see you in a year. Now, I don't know what you do in that moment. 
I don't even know what I do in that moment. You can imagine, you can imagine the confusion, but also the helplessness. What do you do? What do you, his cell phone is literally in my hand, hidden in this box, and now I have no way of reaching out to him. I just have to just wait, I guess. So my dad, uh, of course, he gets involved too, and they have to figure out what do we do. And, and I, um, I hear about this, of course, and I come home, and, um, and, uh, and I, remember, I remember specifically thinking, there's nothing we can do, but also thinking, how could he do this? What kind of kid? Man, like, I can't imagine ever doing this kind of thing. Like, what it's, I get, I get, here's the deal. I get to deal with the broken pieces of the family dealing with this. Well, you just go and have a good time. You go and find yourself. All right, when you, when you find yourself, come back. I'll help you find it again. <laughs> supposed to be a year. A week later, my dad gets a collect call. <laughs> my brother on the other line it's a quick call he doesn't have much time hey it's me I ran out of money I need a plane ticket home can you give me a ticket at this time in this place I need a uh, a buy that's it and my dad my dad has to now decide what do I do it's all he got what do I do do you buy the ticket all right I'll buy you a ticket spend the money get you home or do you do what I, 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 in that moment, I'm thinking like, hey man, 51 more weeks, <laughs> figure it out, right? I mean, in my mind, I, this is one of my sayings. Hey, we all make our own bed. You made your bed. My dad doesn't do that. He buys him a ticket. Buys him a ticket, get him a bus ticket to the thing and get the airport and get the thing. And, and my brother, you know what he does? He misses the flight because he sleeps through it. He's been sleeping on benches. He falls asleep on a train, misses it. Dad, I fell asleep. You got to give me another ticket. All right. In this moment, what do you do? Hey, listen, you had your shot. You, You slept through it. No, another ticket. It's probably a few days later at this point, my brother makes it home. My dad gets him the ticket. He makes it home. I remember... I remember having a moment uh, with my dad because we were going through my brother's stuff and going through his trunk and my dad, you know, was finding stuff. Uh, uh, you know, he found um, uh, travel, um, like uh, travel pamphlets with Germany and my, like my, it just broke my dad. And he, you know, my brother got a, privately got a passport and uh, had, had learned German, taken German. Like, whoa, you're like, you, this was serious. And I remember just me and my dad my brother's home at this point. He's been home for a few days. And I'm going, okay, dad, what are you going to do now? Yeah. Right? Because I'll tell you what you do. <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I can't believe he did this. To, like, how could he do this and think that like, this was fine? Like, this was like, oh, well, you know, no big deal. And my, my dad says, Brandon, I don't even care. I'm just glad he's home. And I'm sitting there, my dad, my, whew, my dad's not a Christian. He still isn't. And I saw, I saw this man live out this. Like he, he's not gotten everything right in his life. But in this moment, I'm like, oh man, you're the father. And I'm the older son. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one holding the grudge. And I, I experienced, maybe, maybe for the first time, what real grace 
was. My brother didn't deserve forgiveness or grace or multiple tickets to get home, but he got it because my dad loved him. And I got to see, not obedience, I got to see what it meant to have real shalom, like peace and all right, I'm just glad he's home. Ooh. The single greatest force for peace in your family, whatever your situation is, is forgiveness. Now, here's the deal. Let me clarify, because a lot of times when we talk about this, people say, well, and that's it? No. Forgiveness is the beginning. Forgiveness doesn't solve everything. Forgiveness, forgiveness also doesn't mean you forget or you sweep it under the rug. Forgiveness means I don't hold it against you, but now we got to do some work to make this right. It may mean counseling. Great. You pursue counseling. Maybe if it's, if it's relational issues or marital issues, yes, please. Don't think that, well, I've forgiven them and it's done. What does this look like for, for you? What does parenting look like for you? If you have kids, what does parenting in an atmosphere of grace look like? Where you're pursuing peace and harmony, not just obedience. What does it look like? Knowing your kids will mess up. What do you do? And you messed up. What did you want? Your kids aren't perfect. And what do you want them to know about you? as their parent no matter what you do listen it's not this doesn't make it okay but I love you and I forgive you but I don't deserve it that's the whole point of forgiveness raise your hand if any of you has, have, have earned the grace and forgiveness that you got from the Lord anyone anyone earned that of course not what does it look like in your marriage when you're both quick to extend grace? What does it look like when you say, you know what, I, I could easily, we could easily hold a grudge and keep this going. And the older you get, the longer you're in marriage, the easier it is to hold that grudge, right? Do you remember when you were first, if you were married, when you are first married, somebody messed up, you're like, I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. That was my fault. No, that was my, I put the spoon in the wrong spot. It's my fault. You know what, let's just forget about it. Let's just love each other and never fight, deal. Fast forward a few years, conversation's different. What does it look like in your marriage when you're quick to extend grace? In your extended family, when you're quick to extend grace, what does this look like when you're pursuing peace through forgiveness? Here's your homework, the last thing before we close. Ready? Here's what you get to do. Because a number of us, I think, I know our family situations aren't the best. And, and like there, some of you have, you have children who have gone astray and you're waiting for the day. And all right, you get to decide how you respond if, when they do come back that one day. You still get to decide how you will respond like the father or like something else. It, and, and some of you, you do have, you do have struggles deep struggles in your relationships and with kids or with your parents or with your spouse and and like I get it I get it and it's messy and listen I hope if anything you understand my family's messy like we have issues too here's the deal ready okay the homework this is the hard part you get to be the first one to make the move if you're waiting for someone else to say I'm sorry or ask for forgiveness it may never come 
So here's what this means. Like the father, you're the first one to say, I forgive you. You extend grace, even if they haven't or won't. What does it look like to say, all right, you know what? I don't want to live with bitterness. I want to extend grace and forgiveness. Not dismiss, not permission, not approval, not, not to belittle what happened, but just to say, you know what? There's grace and forgiveness that, that needs to be offered here. All right, I'm gonna do that. And then we do the hard work of, make, of rebuilding trust in the relationship. But it starts with someone saying, all right, I'm pursuing forgiveness and grace. The single greatest force for peace in your family, whatever your family looks like, I hope you agree with me now, is forgiveness. It, it is a superpower <laughs> that can change everything. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? We're gonna worship the Lord together. Before we do, um, will you bow your heads and pray with me? So before we pray, we'll have a, this last song, we'll have a prayer team up here. We'd love to pray with you because I, I imagine, I know that, that there's a number of us in here um, that you do have kids that keep you up at night that you're thinking about and praying for and, and wishing so badly that they would come home, maybe come home to faith. And, and maybe you just want to be praying, have someone else praying with you about that. You can come up and get prayer. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you are that, that pr the, younger, the younger son, the prodigal child, and, and it's time for you to come back to God. And realize you've, you've tried it on your own and you really do need him. You need the love of the father. And some of us, maybe a lot of us, relate to the, the older son, like I did. And for us, God softened our hearts to not carry grudges, but instead to pursue grace. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And, and Jesus, we... Um, uh, we're here because of you and we can experience the grace and forgiveness of our heavenly father because of what you did. Help us, each and every one of us, to pursue grace and forgiveness in our families, more so, far more than just simple obedience. We love you, Lord. We worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name.